Good morning, Kavanaugh. If you're out there getting coffee, get it. Come on in. Everybody stand up and join us for worship. We've all been made new this morning. Amen. Y'all be seated. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Good, good. It's so good to see you guys and have you all back at another weekend here at Kavanaugh Church. We love this place, and we truly believe that God does amazing things, and we expect him to do awesome things here through the preaching of his word, through the revelation of his Holy Spirit, and as we worship and gather together in fellowship among the saints, we believe that God can do some awesome, amazing things. 
We are so thankful that you're here to experience that with us today. But if you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for joining our church today uh, with us here. Uh, we're excited to have you, and, and we would love to get to know you. So right after service, there are a couple uh, stations out in the lobby. One's a uh, first-time guest uh, station over here, uh, the other's more information. We'd love to get to know you, your family, um, and then get to tell you all about uh, our church and what we do here, we got a like a little gift for you. It's like a little coffee mug and free Chick-fil-A inside. You can't go wrong with free Chick-fil-A, okay? Anyways, it's good to see you guys. And again, I'm going to ask you all now to stand. We're going to ask for the Lord's anointing on our service today because we have an awesome action-packed Sunday. We're about to have a couple of baby dedications. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so we're going to be praying for those families too. Let's pray right now. Lord, we love you. And again, thank you so much for bringing us back together, God. Uh, we love our people, and we love you, God. And to be able to gather back together in this place, in your presence, God. Lord, I just pray that you just move, and you move in a mighty way, a way that we weren't expecting today, God. Build in us a life that you want us to live by, to be a shining example of you, so we can make an awesome impact into this world, God. We have lost family members. We have lost friends, God. And we want to be an example for you, God. So, Lord, I pray today that you speak directly to our hearts. But, Lord, also be with Brother Jason as he brings the, the message. Um, give him the words to say, too. And if someone in this room hasn't experienced you yet as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that they come to know that saving grace this morning. Because that's the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive, God, and we want them to have it. We love you so much in your name. Amen. You all be seated. Sing just yet. You will get to sing, but we got something really cool today. We're going to have a dual baby dedication, okay? We're going to be dedicating little Freddie and Henry. And here's what's cool about it they are first cousins, all right? They're first cousins. So right now, I'm going to ask all the families to come up. Parents, come on up here, families. And we're going to, this is going to be cool. I, as far as I know, I don't know if, if we've ever done a dual baby dedication or not. I know I haven't because our pastor always does this, but he is at our National Free Will Baptist Convention. So I'm, 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 I'm second up. Okay. So here we go. But you know what's so cool about this? Okay. So we got Michael and Gracie Chrisman. All right. And then we've got Kyle and Haley and Michael and Haley, your brother and sister, I was their youth pastor, Nathan, years ago. Years ago. Now they're growing up and have their own family. So this is pretty special for me to get to see the next generation. So come on up here. Hey, guys, how we doing? Hey. Uh-oh. This may be rough. She's like, I don't know about the ball guy. What's up, Henry? How we doing? Family, come on in. Gather on around. We've got family from all over, as far as from California that came here today. Oh, yeah, give them a hand. So sweet. So this is so special to me. Like I said, I've known these guys for a long time. And my lands, we have, a, we have a lot of generations of Kavanaugh families here, okay? So these, these little, little, guy and, little guy and little girl here, guess what? They're like fourth generation of Kavanaugh families to be, of this family, the fourth generation to be in our church. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So guys, this is a super special day, and it's an honor for me to be a part of this. So thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of it. But most of all, thank you for your dedication to the Lord and for bringing your kids to be dedicated today. So 
This is a little unprecedented to do a dual baby dedication at the same time. So the way I'm going to do it is, and I've really thought this through, this isn't just knee-jerk reaction, Haley, okay? We're going to do some of this together and then some of it individual. So it's going to be, yeah, you're liking me now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm not so bad. She likes me from a distance, okay? That's how most kids are. From a distance, you're cool. All right, so Michael and Gracie and Kyle and Haley. The scriptures bear witness to the fact that of old, godly parents dedicated their children to the Lord in his house. Hannah, in the Old Testament, brought her child Samuel to the Lord and dedicated him for God's service to his kingdom. And God answered that prayer, and he became a great, mighty prophet for the Lord. Mary, the mother of Jesus, brought little baby Jesus to God's house, according to the law of Moses, and dedicated him and presented him to the Lord. So guys, we're confident today that God's going to honor your act of faith as you, Michael and Gracie, and Kyle and Haley, dedicate your kids to the Lord. What a blessing. The scriptures tell us this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command to you today shall be in your heart. You shall, listen to this, guys, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit at your house, when you walk by the way, or when you're driving down the road in your car, okay? When you lie down, when you rise up. And I love what it says in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That means when we put the word of God in the heart of our children, when they grow up, they can never get away from that. That will always be in them. So, yeah. You, you're excited. You're excited. See, she's warming up. She's warming up. So we're going to go ladies first. Little Freddie, okay, ladies first. So Michael and Gracie, in presenting Freddie for the dedication to the Lord, you not only signify, what's up, dude? You not only signify your faith in Christ, but you also desire that she will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior to follow the will of God for her life. And she's going to be a talker. See, she's going to be a missionary and share Jesus freely. I can already see this. So in order to achieve this, guys, here's your duty as parents. Teach her the fear of the Lord early. Watch over her education that she is not led astray. Direct her youthful mind to the Holy Scriptures and her feet to the Lord's house. Restrain her from all harmful associates and habits as much as you can. And bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So, to the parents and family of little Freddie, will you endeavor to do so by the help of God? If so, answer, I will. Great job, great job. Now to the congregation, I ask you, will you come alongside these parents and assist them in raising little sweet Freddie to find, follow, and finish God's perfect will for her life? If you will do that, would you say we will? Great job. Excellent, excellent. Okay, Henry, it's your turn, buddy. You're looking good, man. We, hey, we almost match. Yes, I got the memo. You got the memo, man. Cool shoes, too. Kyle and Haley, in presenting Henry for dedication to the Lord, you not only signify your faith in Jesus, but your desire that he may come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior at a young age. In order to attain this holy end, it will be your duty as parents to teach him the fear of the Lord early. You like me, don't you, buddy? Amen. Yeah, he does. We're matching too. I like it, bro. Will you watch over his education that he should not be led astray? 
Will you direct his youthful mind to the holy scriptures and his feet to the Lord's house? To restrain him from all harmful associates and habits and as much as in you lies to bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So parents and family, will you endeavor to do so by the help of God? If so, answer, I will. Awesome. Amen. Great job. Now to the congregation. Will you come alongside and assist these parents and family in raising little Henry to find, follow, and finish God's perfect will for his life? If so, say we will. We will. All right. Now here comes the fun part. All right. Brother Nathan, come on up here. You're going to help me. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do, first of all, for the sister-in-laws. Okay. So Gracie and Haley, we have a gift for you. All right. Would you get Henry's little Bible? Hold on to that Bible. Okay. So for Freddie, this is a letter from our pastor. This is for her to open on her 18th birthday. So you put that in a safe place. And this letter reminds her of what you guys did today. And it will remind her if she's not already done so, would she accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior. All right. And now we have Haley for little Henry. The same letter. So hang on to that. Give that to him on his 18th birthday. Now we also have, moms, a certificate for you. These are beautiful certificates. You can hang those up in your rooms, and they will always see what happened today. Now, men, we have for you, this is a charge. This is a little New Testament with their names on them. And this is a charge for you guys to teach your kids the word of the Lord. This is our blueprint for life, and it is the success for the key of salvation. So teach them the word, okay? Now here we go. Here comes the real test, all right? Are we ready? So we're going to do little Freddie first. I'm, I may just stay right here. Hey, hey, can I hold you? Can I hold you? Here, Mom, we're going to sit right here by Mom. Yeah, looky there. Now I'm not used to holding these little girls, can you tell? So here we go. We're going to do it like this, okay? Hi. Yeah, see, you like me here. You like me here. Freddie, today we dedicate you to the Lord and his service. May you find, follow, and finish his perfect will for your life. Brother Nathan, would you lead us in a prayer of dedication for little Freddie? Dear Lord, we love you. And again, thank you so much for this family. We love them and we care for them, God. Lord, we lift up little Freddie to you right now. She's gorgeous and She's everything that you want, it, you want her to be, God. And I just pray that you just guide her little footsteps all through life as, as she goes on and, and, and it grows up to be the woman that you, uh, you designed her to be, God. I pray that you just bless her parents' life and that they're able to just be able to teach her and to uh, love on her and to be able to point her to you, God, because we want her to see you and as you really are her savior, God. And we just ask for uh, a blessing on her life and that she just uh, eventually becomes the little girl that you want her to be, God. We love you so much in your name. Amen. 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 Good job, Freddie. You're so pretty. You're so pretty. Okay, Henry, can I hold you, bro? Come here, man. Yeah. Look at that. We're, we're almost twins, except he's got more hair. He's got me beating the hair, buddy. He's got some guns already, man. He's got guns. This is awesome. All right. Little Henry, it's with great honor that I dedicate you to the Lord and for his kingdom. May you find, follow, and finish his perfect will for your life. Brother Nathan, let's pray a prayer dedication for Henry. Lord, we love Henry and are so thankful for his family. 
taking this step today to dedicate him before you, Lord. I just pray for his life as well as he grows up and becomes a, the young man that you uh, created, him, created him to be, God, that he finds you, that he lives for you, God, and that uh, he just lives out the life that you and follow his, your will for his life, God. We love him so much. And again, we're so thankful for his, his mom and dad. And Lord, help guide and direct them in teaching him and uh, pointing him towards you, God. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Good job, buddy. Here we go, Henry. Here we go. Guys, give these two families a great big hand today. Y'all can have a seat. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask y'all to stand back up. Let's keep singing today, praising and worshiping the Lord.
called my name and I ran out of that grave. Because let's be honest, one doesn't automatically follow the other. There have been a lot of times in my life where I know he's called my name, but I'm not really interested in moving because I'm comfortable where I'm at. We get comfortable, don't we? There might be something out there uh, that I'm not ready for, that I don't wanna do. I might have to put away a little sin that I'm not ready to let go of, or I might have to forgive somebody that I'm not ready to forgive yet. Plus, there's people out there, people that are gonna say she's not good enough, she's not smart enough, she's not talented enough, she doesn't deserve God's goodness. I don't want that. I want to stay comfortable where I'm at. But friend, if that is where you're living this morning, let me be the first one to tell you, it's time to come out of that grave. It's time to come out and meet Jesus. Because what he has for you, if he's calling your name, it's not to lecture you about where you've been. It's to love you and encourage you to where you're going and what he has for you. It's not always going to be comfortable but it has his wonderful love and amazing grace. Oh
to worship you in this service and Lord those that are online and those that are here Lord we want just to proclaim you as living yes. we want to proclaim you as Savior and King of all Kings yes. we want to proclaim you as Lord of our lives each individual has our life been changed by 
your word and your life and your will in our life and your presence every day that we can bring you closer to showing others yes. that they need you as their Savior and King. Lord, we bless you and we want to praise your name and we want to show you, Lord, that our lives are an example that you live in us. And Lord, we praise your name and we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, thank you guys for that awesome worship. We are celebrating victory today in Jesus. We're in his house today. It's so good to be here. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, we're continuing today. Uh, this, is, this is part four of my sermon series called Moving Mountains based on the book of John Eldridge. And the title of my sermon today is The Prayer of Intervention. All right, I love prayers of intervention. Sometimes, Brother Rodney, we just need an intervention in our life, okay? We, we all get there. But let me ask you, do we have any baseball fans in the house today? Just raise your hand. If you're a baseball fan, baseball player, uh, how, many, how many, we're going to go a little step further, how many St. Louis Cardinal fans do we have in the house? Let me see your, don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed of it, okay? We've got a few, okay, a few, all right, we're, we're digressing now. But how many Albert Pujols fans do we have? Who, who loves Albert? Okay, so Albert, man, he was amazing. He played for the Cardinals. Eli, how many years was he with the Cardinals? How many? 11 years with the Cardinals. He had his own restaurant in St. Louis. I mean, this dude, amazing. He was loved. But then, but then, money talks. And he went out, he went out to, Randy, he went out to California, played for those angels. And people burned his jerseys. And they were burning Cardinal jerseys. I mean, they turned on him, just turned on him. But, you know, never mind that all the other baseball players move around, you know. But, man, for whatever reason, Albert, he was not permitted to leave St. Louis, at least in the eyes of diehard Cardinal fans. But, but, guess what? He's back. He's back with the Cardinals. This is his final year because he's, he's up where he's beyond 40, okay. He's getting up there a little bit in age, but he's still got it. He's still got it. It's going to be his last year playing for the Cardinals now. You have to understand something. I've told some of you all this, but the rest of you need to get the full context of, of what I'm about to tell you. Uh, mine and Joy's oldest son, Eli. Raise your hand, Eli. Eli's about to turn 21 next month. Eli has been a faithful, loyal, David, diehard Albert Pujols fan. Okay? Since Eli started watching baseball when he was like six years old, he prayed every night for Albert to hit a home run every at-bat, Tiffany, and for the Cardinals to win every game. So I know y'all are Cardinal fans. And we were telling Eli's girlfriend, Kyla, about this. Well, we said when Eli was little, he prayed for Albert to hit a home run every at-bat. And he goes, I still do. <laughs> yes. Loyal. Loyal. Well, as you may or may not know, Albert made it to the home run derby this year. He was picked to be on the all-star team and got to be in the home run derby and y'all don't act like you care, but this is a big deal. This is a big deal. I mean, when you're a dude that's upward of, how old is he, Eli, 42? 
42, and he's going the home run derby, going against guys that are like 29 in their prime. Okay, power guys that can just crush the ball. So Albert, he goes out for the home run derby. There's like eight guys in it, so it's a bracket, and you go head to head, head to head. Well, I was coming home from church. I was trying to get there because uh, Eli was over at his uncle and aunt's house, and Noni and Pop were there, and everybody was there gathered to watch Albert in the home run derby because this is big. This is big for our family. We love Albert. And so I get there, and Albert's already went. He's already went, and he had 13 home runs in his round. 13, Corby, 13. So remember that. So the next guy gets up. What was his name, Eli? I'd already forgot who he was. So who? Kyle? Okay, Kyle was up the bat. See, I already forgot his name. Yeah. Mm. He gets up. I mean, he's a bruiser, 29 years old. He's ripped. I mean, this dude's huge. I'm like, oh, Albert's, gonna, Albert's got his work cut out for him. So it's getting intense, and this guy starts out, and, he, and you get a time limit. You get, you get so much time to see how many home runs you can hit in a time limit, okay? Albert had how many? 13. Now Kyle's up, and Kyle starts swinging. Well, Kyle gets off to a bad start, man. He's just popping up, popping up, popping up. And all of a sudden, man, Eli's getting excited. Eli's getting excited. He's like, we got a chance. Albert, you can do this. Come on, Albert, you got this. And, he, and all of a sudden, Eli gets so excited, he rips off his shirt, and he's running around the living room. Okay, he loves Albert, all right? And, and so it's looking like this guy's not going to beat Albert. And so Eli gets right in the middle of the living room, and he yells out, everybody pray. I said, oh, oh, okay, so we're praying now, right? So everybody's praying. He's, he's going to his niece and nephew. He's picking them up in the air. He's shaking them around. And then Jude, Jude, Jude's over there. There you are. I see you. Jude's like, ah, oh, Albert ain't going to win, Eli. He's going to lose. <laughs> so Eli, like a charging bull, runs up to him. And he gets, he's not going to lose. I mean, this is intense. Guess what? Guess how many home runs Kyle hit? Who knows? 13. 13. It's tied. Eli goes crazy. He's running around the house. He's yelling, screaming, hollering. Everybody pray. And guess what, guys? Albert gets up and he, he you get it like it's sudden death now. You get so much more time. Albert crushed it, destroyed it, beat him, stomped him into the ground. We're celebrating it. And Eli goes, Prayer works. Prayer works. Now, he might not have won the championship, but Eli, he showed him who was boss, didn't he? Eli surprised Albert. He, Eli said, Albert surprised everybody. But not you. You believed, didn't you? We love old Albert. But guys, I'm here to tell you today, prayer works. Prayer works. We're going to look at an awesome passage of Scripture about that prayer of intervention. Your prayers matter. So, listen, i got a lot of verses to read. But it's an amazing story. So we got to get it. So are you all ready? We good? Yeah. It's on the screen. So don't, don't zone out as we read these verses because it's a cool story. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he saw that this was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers. That's 16 soldiers. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly what? Praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers 
bound with two chains. Remember that part. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. And Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. You see, Peter thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. Whoa, that's amazing. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Boom, he's gone. Then Peter came to himself and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where, listen to this, many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Let's pray. God, we love you. Today, Lord, we are here for one purpose, and that is to worship you, to exalt you. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word, that it is truth. And right now, as we look into your word, God, we ask that you speak truth into our hearts and transform lives as only you can. Today, Lord, if there's one person here who doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that they will trust you, believing that Jesus died for them, was buried in a tomb, and rose again. And I, I pray, Lord, that they will confess Jesus as their Savior and receive eternal life in heaven. Today, Lord, may you convict us and move upon our hearts that we will be prayer warriors for you and pray prayers of intervention for others who don't know you, Lord. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's an interesting contrast here. We see that James, which is the brother of John, that's, uh, they were known as the Sons of Thunder. James was arrested, and the Bible says he was executed. And that's all it says. It's that quick. And sometimes in Scripture, there's a mention of something amazing and it's just so brief that you just kind of breeze over it and you don't even think about like what it all really means. Okay, so James is arrested and he's executed. Tragic for James. Okay, in one sense, but we know where he's at. He's with his Lord. But then for the Apostle Peter, he gets arrested and there's this huge dialogue that we just read, this huge account of what happened to him. His story is a story of rescue. And the difference between the two is it says when Peter was arrested, the church prayed earnestly. Now, was the church not praying for James? Well, I don't know. I would assume they were praying for James when he was arrested. But did they know and realize the full implications of what might happen? And after witnessing James' death, then was the church motivated to extreme prayer when Peter was arrested that they began to pray a prayer of intervention for him? Well, we don't really know the answer to those questions. Well, one thing we know, they prayed for Peter, and God heard their prayer. God was moved 
to answer their prayer. So how did the church pray when Peter was thrown in prison? Well, the, the first point that I have today in, in my sermon is there was earnest prayer. And we're going to talk in a minute about what earnest prayer means, intense prayer. Okay, so this last week at the Nichols house, we had some intense and earnest prayer going on. Because as most of y'all know, and, and uh, Matthew had knee surgery this last week, and a lot of y'all that knew that, you're praying for him. We appreciate that. We appreciate that very much. Uh, Tiffany, Sydney's got knee surgery tomorrow. We're going to be praying earnestly for her, okay? Uh, knee surgery's no joke, is it, Carla? Jalen went through it back-to-back, -back, you know, times. ACL reconstruction. That's what Matthew had. Uh, no fun. I can't imagine back-to-back. -back. But when your kids are going through something, you're praying earnestly, right? So we appreciate the earnest prayer. So I'll give you a quick uh, story about Matthew. And then Matthew's watching online. So what's up, Matthew? I'm going to show a little video in a minute of you, okay? You're going to enjoy this. So y'all don't let me forget to show the video. Didn't show up first service because we didn't have time, but we got time here, okay? It's cool. Y'all going to enjoy it. So Matthew uh, tore his ACL. We went to the surgeon, and he said, well, there's a couple of of options for surgery and the one technique that the surgeon was hoping to be able to do if there was enough of the ACL left was to bridge it back together put your own blood in there and the ACL regrows itself amazing technology it's kind of a newer deal so guess what it would be a nine-month recovery so no football no baseball he's done the whole school year he's out okay so joy was nervous about that not about the procedure but about just the fact that could we hold him still for nine months and the answer to that question is no. And the doctor told us the only, the only procedures of this nature that have failed on him were teenagers that went back too early. They went back to activity after six months and blew it back out. Okay? So the other procedure would be more the traditional ACL where they take a muscle out of your leg and they make a new ACL for you. But it's got a six-month recovery. Okay? We're like, well, why don't we just do the six-month, doc? You know, that's faster. He can, May, may, he'll miss football, but maybe make baseball. Well, he said, well, there's more chance for arthritis with this procedure. So we're like, okay, so, you know, the Lord's will be done. So we go, we go to the doctor's appointment uh, to find out which one we're going to get. They're like, you know, get the MRI and come see us, okay? So we walk in the doctor's office. It's up at Bentonville. And his assistant sticks out her hand. And I'm like, oh, she wants to shake my hand. So I'll shake her hand. No, she said, where's the MRI? The disc. Oh, you mean the one in my backpack back at the house in Van Buren, Arkansas, that I forgot? So I'm just sick, like, oh, no, now we're going to this blind. And the doc's like, it's, it's cool, man. We're going to, no matter what, we're going to get in there and fix it. So we don't know which procedure we're going to have. So Joy's like, everybody pray. She was praying earnestly. We were all praying, praying for Matthew, praying for just the right procedure. And so guess what? We ended up having the procedure with the six-month recovery, okay? They had to do the traditional uh, the, the new one wouldn't work because there was too much damage. So the good news is he can hopefully be ready for baseball if, Matthew, if you behave and do what you're supposed to do, okay? But check this out. The doctor said, but the bad news is the downside of the traditional, more chance of arthritis, Joy said, it's Matthew. He's got so many crashes and bruises and aches and pains. He's going to have arthritis anyway, so let's enjoy a little baseball, Okay. That's a boy mom right there. I love it, boy mom. We were praying earnestly. So we got a picture of Matthew, I think, in the, there in his pre-op. You didn't know I was going to show this, Matthew. Sorry, buddy. You should have been here to stop me. There he is. So he didn't want, we're like, Joy and I are getting our phones out. 
And he's like, don't take my picture, don't take my picture. Okay, until, until they gave him Tara the feel-good medicine. <laughs> then he's like, hey, guys, let's do a selfie. Get in here, Mom and Dad, you know. And then I think we even got a little video that might show a little bit of the, of the after effect of the good medicine. He's, he's FaceTiming Isaac there. We're just waving. <laughs> he was, he just was waving at everybody. FaceTimed you a couple of times, didn't he, Isaac? FaceTimed Eli. Uh, thanks for the prayers, guys. Prayer works. We need to pray earnestly. Listen, the word earnest in the original Greek language, it's used to describe how this church prayed for Peter when he was arrested. And it's the same word, the same Greek word that was used to describe the way that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane on Thursday night, the night that he would be arrested, the day before he would be crucified, the day before he would go to the cross, bearing the weight of the world of mankind's sin upon his shoulders, the day before he would be separated from his heavenly Father because God had to turn his back on Jesus because he could not look upon all that sin as a holy God. So Jesus was about to endure all that. Uh, the physical pain of the cross alone was horrific. And the word excruciating... All right, we've all used that word. That word was invented. It was created from the cross because it was such a painful experience for the victims of crucifixion. They created a word just for crucifixion, and that's the word excruciating. But that was nothing to Jesus compared to having to be separated from his Father and for the sinless one to bear our sins on his back. Guys, Jesus took our sin. He took our sin and sin earns death. And you know what Jesus did? He said, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to die in your place so that spiritually you don't have to die. Spiritually you can have eternal life if you trust me as Lord and Savior. So that's the intensity that Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the scripture tells us that Jesus was so intense. He was under so much strain that literally blood poured from his body like sweat. How did that happen? Well, it's a rare medical condition when your body's under extreme and excruciating stress and agony that the little blood vessels around your sweat glands can rupture. It's called hematidrosis, and literally blood can pour forth from your pores as if it were sweat. That's how intense Jesus was praying for you and me as he prepared to go to the cross. Now, how many of us have ever prayed that earnestly? I'm ashamed to say, not me. But guys, this early church, this is the same word to describe how intently they were praying for Peter. They were intervening for their friend. They were in prayer. Now guys, that's some praying right there. And they had gathered in John Mark's mother's house to pray all night. You know, I wonder what it would have been like to be there. I would have loved to have been in that house that night as believers of the early church were pouring their hearts out to God, intervening for their friend. You know, but how often can we say our prayers are earnest? You know what, guys? I think each and every one of us would benefit from, from some good old prayer closet, earnest praying. Where you get away from everybody and everything and you cry out to the Lord. And you share your heart with him. I think that'd make a difference in our lives, don't you? Yes. I think that'd make a difference in what God could do through us, don't you? Well, listen, what were the results of this intense prayer? Oh, I'm so glad you asked because that's my second point. Broken chains. 
broken chains. Now, I've got, I've got a cool story for you. Um, Eli got to do a, a, a job that he's never done before. All right, so as y'all know, we're in the drought of 2022. The yards are quick growing, so the Nichols boys, they're doing, for their mowing customers, they're doing some other odds and end jobs that have been kind of put to the wayside. And one of, one of the guys that the boys mow for, he has this big lake, and he's got underwater submerged landscape timbers. And they're stacked about four or five landscape timbers high, okay? And the reason they're underwater is because he had built them as like a little, kind of, he made kind of a little walkway around his pond. He built these landscape timbers up, filled it with dirt and gravel so that he would have a level place because his land is like this. And so it levels out the bottom so they could fish. Well, they raised the dam on the lake, so guess what? His little man-made dock flooded, okay? It was underwater. So he's like, we're going to get those out of there. We're going to get them out of there. So, so he told Eli, he said, I'm on, I'm on, I want you to help me, and here's how we're going to do it. Are you all ready for this? This is so cool. This is so cool. He bought, Josh, he bought a grappling hook. A grappling hook. And you all are giving me just the reaction that the first service gave. Because you're thinking of like a wimpy little treble hook, you know, like a, that a fisherman would use to snag a, a catfish or something. Oh, no. Think Batman. Think big. Think the Batman utility belt. You know when Batman's on one skyscraper and Batman needs to get across to the other skyscraper and he pulls out the cannon with a grappling hook on it and he shoots it and the grappling hook goes to the other building and he hooks onto it and then he swings across with a rope and gets to the other skyscraper. Do you know what I'm talking about? A real grappling hook, not a wimpy treble hook. I mean, this is like a monster grappling hook. So Mr. Keller orders this. He goes, Eli, we're going to hook onto these landscape timbers, and we're going to jerk them out of there with my truck. And I'm like, man, I'll pay tickets for admission to see this, you know. So Eli, he gets out there, and, and I wanted to help him a little bit because I had just had to see this. So we wade out in the pond and underwater, and we hook this grappling hook into the, to the landscape timbers. Okay, these things have been underwater a long time. They're heavy. They're, it's a bunch of boards locked together, with, nailed together. And so this grappling hook, though, we put it in, we, okay, it's going to hold, isn't it, Eli? No way this thing's coming loose. No way. Well, guess what? Mr. Keller puts her on four-wheel drive low. He guns it, and the landscape timbers start rising up out of the water, okay, like Lazarus coming out of the tomb, man. Like, yeah, it's working. Batman's grappling hook is doing the job. And so these landscape timbers are coming up out of the water, out of the water, out of the water, and everything's going great. Everything's going great until they come completely out of the water and flip over onto the bank. And what we were certain would not break loose, broke loose. What we did not think could be undone came undone. And this rope that hooked the grappling hook to the truck was a stretchy rope. It was very stretched. So when the grappling hook turned loose, when it broke loose from the submerged, wet, heavy landscape timbers, it was propelled at a mere, my estimation is 200 mile an hour. Because it was so fast, I could not see it. The grappling hook ripped the trim off of Mr. Keller's bumper, hit the back of his tailgate, wham! Right in the Silverado logo, the V is gone. And the grappling hook will never be the same. And Mr. Keller said, boys, I think that's enough of the grappling hook. We're going to put it away before somebody dies. I was like, that's a good idea. So Eli, we went to plan B, and you got the job done, didn't you? You got her done. Got her done. 
Listen, sometimes, guys, we think there are chains in our lives. We think things have a hold on us that there's no way that we can be freed from it. Listen, when Peter was locked up in this prison and he has a Roman soldier on each side and he's chained to the wrist to these soldiers and then there's, there's 12 other guys or 14 other soldiers guarding him and a big iron gate at the exit of that prison, it looks like there's no way that he's going to be set free. He is in bondage forever until he dies. Now, at least that's the way that it would appear, right? But you know what, guys? God can do things. He can break chains. He can free us from things that nobody else can because that's what he does. That's what he's in the business of doing. So check this out, guys. The night before, we don't know how long Peter was in prison. We don't know how long the church had been praying, but it had been a while. And the night before, that he is to go on trial before Herod, probably for execution, something happens. Remember, the church had been earnestly praying, and they never gave up. Even when it looked like it was gonna, time was going to run out, they were down to the wire, but they were still praying. They were still intervening for their friend. And guess what happened? God showed up. You see, what's big to us, what's overwhelming to us is nothing for God. What's some chains? What are 16 Roman soldiers? What's an iron gate? Nothing for Jesus. So guess what? God sent an angel. He sent an angel, and the angel showed up. And I love this part, because the angel just kind of smacks Peter on the side, like, dude, quit sleeping. Get up. You know? Woke him up. And, And when Peter woke up, guess what happened to those chains, the unbreakable chains, the chains that would never come loose? Fell to the ground. Like nothing. Just fell to the ground. I love that. So Peter gets up, and the angel's like, get dressed. We're getting out of here. So they walk past the first group of soldiers. They walk past the second group of soldiers. They walk through where the gate is. And what happens with the gate? It just opens. The angel doesn't even have to touch it. You know, you think he'd do like the rock or something, just, you know, rip the gate off its hinges, like in an action-packed superhero movie. You know, but what did he do? It was more like Luke Skywalker in the force, man. He boom, and the gate just came open. Except this is real. So awesome, so amazing. So God delivered Peter from Herod and the Jewish leaders. So Peter, he still thinks he's dreaming this whole time. He doesn't think it's real. Finally, the angel takes him walking down the street. And then just like that, the angel's gone. And Peter woke up. He came to his senses. He's like, that was an angel. I just got saved from Herod. What do I do? I'm going to go tell the disciples. I'm going to go tell everybody that's been praying for me. So he goes to the the house of John Mark's mother. And he knocks on the door. Because he's going to tell them the great thing that God just did. So here's the thing, guys. Application for us. What does this mean for us? Here's a question. Answer it in your heart, not out loud. But what chains do you need to be freed from? What bondage has a hold on you? What do you think is impossible to overcome? Listen to me. Do you believe God can free you from it? Do you believe God can do it? Yes, he can. Second question. Just answer in your heart. Who do you know that has some bondage, that has some chains, that needs Jesus, that needs salvation, that needs freedom? Who do you know that you need to be intervening for? Who do you need to be earnestly praying for? Get it in your mind. Do you believe God can answer those prayers? Absolutely, guys. He can do it. He can do it. So what happens next? Well, my final point, and I phrased it like this. 
Surprised to see me? Question mark. All right. <laughs> I love this. So I'll tell you one more quick story. I think I have time. I'll be brief. So uh, there's my nephew, Andrew. Andrew, raise your hand. Andrew, he's our nephew. He comes and hangs out with us a lot in the summer. We love Andrew. He's, he just turned 18. Uh, Isaac there, he just turned 19. And uh, they were in a big talk the other night. They were having an in-depth conversation, okay, uh, known as 18 and 19-year-olds will have. And, and Andrew's a working man now. He's out of sports. Isaac's a working man now, out of sports, college man. And they had this, they, this occurred to them. Isaac's like, you know, what are we going to do to stay in shape now that we're not in sports? I don't have a coach screaming and yelling at me, making me run. How am I going to stay in shape? Well, you don't say that to Joy. You know, she's a personal trainer, so she has no mercy, no compassion. So guess what? I'm in the garage last night doing some work, and all of a sudden I thought like a herd of elephants was knocking the door down, and Andrew and Isaac come flying by me full speed with water bottles and music cranking and sprinting down the road. I'm like, where are you going? We're going to the gym. Now, the gym from our house is a long way away, like 50 miles or something, all right? Not that far, but just see if you're still awake. And I'm like, no way. They're not running to the gym, no way. And, and so I watch them, and they're sprinting. I mean, dead sprint for 100 yards. And then they both stop, and they're like, <gasps> now, they tell me they were just fixing their music, but I, I think they were catching their, their breath, okay? And then they took off running for the gym. So they were, when they got back, I'm like, how did you do it, man? What was your inspiration for this, you know, to run all that way to the gym and then work out? What was your inspiration? Well, we got on YouTube, and we watched some motivational workout videos. And then we played Eye the Tiger and the Rocky Balboa theme song. I got a boy, that a kid. That's my son. That's my nephew. But, you know, Joy and I, I went back inside. I said, you know where they're going? She said, yeah, to the gym. I said, you know how they're getting there? She said, well, I guess they're driving. I said, no, they're running. She's like, they'll never make it. <laughs> Oliver Springs Road that we live on, it's a two-lane road, isn't it, Bill and Dora? Y'all live out there? There's no shoulder. It's just a ditch. It's a death trap. The speed limit is 50 miles an hour, which means you easily go 80, okay? Ron Brown, closer. Not us, Ron. Not the Nichols, but the other people. They go very fast on that road. Very dangerous road. Should never be on it running, am I right? Don't run on that road. They run down it. We're enjoying that, man. Also, we're earnestly praying again. We're earnestly, Lord, help them to make it. Help them not to get ran over and die. Well, finally, they made it. So we were kind of surprised, like they actually made it. You know? Hey, sometimes we're surprised when God answers prayers. You know, like back to our scripture. Here, here, here we had this earnest Garden of Gethsemane type of intensity praying. Yet when Peter shows up to the door and Rhoda hears his voice, she's so excited she doesn't even open the door. She just runs and tells everybody, Peter's here. He's out of prison. They don't believe it. They don't believe it. It's like we just prayed our hearts out. Now, I don't know if they sweat blood, but they were praying their hearts out for God to free Peter. Yet when it happened, they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it until finally they opened the door, and there he is. But we see the humanity right here in all of us. It's like because we want to believe prayer is real. We want to believe prayer changes things. But sometimes, do we really, when we pray it, do we really believe that God can do it? You know, Or do we have doubts? Or are we afraid we're going to be let down? Are we afraid to get our hopes up? 
So this is very interesting to me because when, when they had prayed this intense prayer and Peter showed up, it was like they couldn't believe it. Well, why wouldn't they believe God could do it? Because, listen, I'm going to wrap this up, but I want to I challenge you. I want to challenge you when it comes to intervention, when it comes to prayers of intervention, praying on the behalf of other people, I want to give you just a few takeaways, all right? So write these down. They're not on the notes, but these are some takeaways, all right? I want you to pray crock-pot prayers, not microwave prayers, okay? Now, there's nothing wrong in a quick, help me Jesus prayer, okay? I pray those all throughout the day, help me Jesus, all right? Uh, yesterday, I was on a lift about 20 feet in the air trying to hang a sign uh, at, at Joy's gym. I'm like, help me Jesus not to die. Help me not to run this lift through the building that I've never operated before, okay? That's okay. But guys, there are times we need to pray earnestly and strenuously over a period of time. God's not always just going to answer just like that, is he? But I think he teaches us things. It's like chopping a big tree down with the axe. We just got to keep chopping and keep chopping and keep chopping until God moves. When we pray intervention prayers, write this down. We need to be praying salvation prayers. We need to be intervening for other people. God loves, he longs, God's heart, Jesus died so that people could be saved. That's his heart for people to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So our mission, we've been entrusted with this mission to share the gospel. Why God did it that way? He's the Father. He knows best, but he trusted us. So we have a responsibility to pray salvation prayers, to intervene on the behalf of others who don't know Jesus, to earnestly cry out for them, to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then we share with them. We share Jesus with them. We show them Jesus' love. And guys, when we pray an intervention prayer, not only does it need to be a crock-pot prayer, not only does it need to be a salvation prayer, it needs to be a focused prayer. We live in a whirlwind of activity. Would you agree? And sometimes when we start to pray, our minds are just swirling and every thought is going through our mind except of focusing on Jesus. Are you with me? Or am I the only one that that happens to? All right? So we got we to gotta get out of the tornado and we got to say, God, I am focused on you. Hallowed be your name, Lord. I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. And Lord, I want to find out what your will is. I want to find out what your heart's desire is. And that's how I want to pray. I want to get on board, Lord, with the direction you're going. So we're not praying for the new bass boat, okay, or the new car. I mean, those things are cool, you know. But listen, we're praying for God's will to be done. We're praying for God's will to be done. And ultimately, guys, when it comes to intervention, praying for others, we are praying kingdom prayers. Let me explain this. Jesus gave his followers the power to bind and release. Listen to Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this is a deep passage. There's a lot to it. I'm not even going to begin to unpack it or tell you that I understand it all, because I really don't. But I'll tell you what I do understand about it. We've been given the authority to open our mouth and make Jesus known. We've been given the authority to pray in the power of Jesus' name against evil, against Satan, against his forces. We don't dialogue with Satan, but we pray against him in Jesus' name. So if you see Satan attacking somebody, you can pray a prayer of intervention for that person that's under spiritual attack in the authority and the boldness of Jesus' name. And we can bind what Satan wants to do, not on our own power, but by God's power. 
And I believe, listen to me, that's what this early church was doing. They were praying in the authority of Jesus' name because they had witnessed him raise the dead to life. He made mute speak. He made the blind to see. Guys, Jesus is all-powerful. Nothing's impossible for him. The followers of Jesus knew this. So I think they were binding what Satan wanted to do to Peter, and they were praying for the kingdom to be advanced. Now, God interceded. Amazing, miraculous. Praise the Lord. He freed Peter. He heard their prayer. But guys, let's fast forward a few more years. Peter is again arrested. He's about to be crucified. Do you think the early church was still praying and intervening for him? Yes, I believe they were. But this time the outcome was different. And you know the story. Tradition says when they went to crucify Peter, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. I'll be crucified upside down. And that's how he died a martyr's death. Now, did that mean God didn't care anymore? And he wasn't doing kingdom work anymore? Absolutely not. It was just the contrary. You know what happened to the early church when the disciples were martyred for their faith and other followers of Jesus were martyred for their faith? It sent followers of Jesus into all ends of the known world at that time and the gospel began to spread. Satan couldn't stop it. The Jewish leaders couldn't stop what God wanted to do and that gospel has spread and so now we have the privilege to know Jesus because of people like Peter who gave their life. You see, sometimes God doesn't answer like we think and we don't understand it but make no mistake about it, kingdom work is still being done. So when we get on board with God and we pray in his will, it may not happen like we think. It may not look like what we want it to look like. But if we have the faith and we have the trust and we're praying in Jesus' name and according to his will, that his will be done, kingdom work will be accomplished even if it's painful. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. So don't underestimate the power of intervention. Guys, God is calling you to do kingdom work. He's calling us as a church to pray prayers of intervention for lost people, for people in bondage, for people in our communities and and in our world that don't know Jesus. We are called to make a difference. Now, Satan wants to snuff it out, but guys, we're not going to let him. We're not going to let him. We're going to be people of prayer. And no matter how it turns out, we are in it. We're in it, and we are committed. I'm going to ask everybody to stand and everybody to bow your head, and we're going to have a time of invitation And I don't know where you're at this morning, but here's what I know. God is calling you to follow him, to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart, and the Holy Spirit's been saying, look, it's time to believe Jesus died for you and rose from the grave. It's time to confess him as your Lord. It's time to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven. If God's speaking to your heart right now, we're going to have a prayer, and these altars are going to be open, and I'm going to ask you to be bold and courageous and just step out and say, man, Lord, would you save me? We'll not embarrass you, but listen to me. This is the most important thing you'll ever do is to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the only way you're getting into heaven is through Jesus. He's the only way, guys. I'm going to ask believers across the room, Today, would you just come and say, you know what? We're going to be a unified front. And we're going to start intervening for people in prayer like never before. And trusting that God's going to do kingdom work through us like never before. Guys, God does it. It's not us. 
okay? It's not us, but listen, don't underestimate the power of God in you. If you have Jesus in you, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and he wants to do things through you. He wants to make an eternal impact on others through you and through this church. So when we agree with that, when we unify with that, when we pray for God's will to be done and his power to move, he will do it. So I'm going to ask you to come and pray and intervene for somebody that you know right now that needs Jesus. Lord, we love you. Uh, This is your time, Lord, to, to speak to hearts. You've already been speaking to hearts, but Lord, this is our time to respond to you. So if anyone here today or online has never trusted Jesus as Savior, I pray today that they will do that. I pray today that they will come and bow at the altar, acknowledging that Jesus is Lord, believing he died and rose from the grave, admitting their sins and confessing him as Savior. I pray for believers to come today and intervene on the behalf of others who are under attack, who are in bondage, perhaps who don't know you as Savior. Help us to come and intervene, Lord, for our community and our world. That as a church, as Kavanaugh, a body of believers, we can have a greater impact for your kingdom than ever before. Use us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The altars are open. If you need to come and pray, step out and do so right now.
Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for being amazing. Lord, help us always to make it about you. We exalt you today, Lord. As many needs were lifted up to you today, God, I pray that you move and meet those needs as only you can. We love you, we praise you and adore you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You guys can have a seat as these are finishing up at the altar. Man, thank you all for being here to worship with us today. You guys are amazing. You're looking good, looking awesome. Hey, I want you to uh, pray for a new family in our church, Joe and Joy Ragsdale. They were coming to church today, got in a wreck actually with a police car, and uh, were, were struck by that. So they're okay, but they wanted us to know, and so just pray for them, okay? Uh, if you're a member, this is for our members only, remember your tithe and offering on the way out at our offering boxes. And then to our guests, we're so glad you came. We want to meet you after service, so please go through these doors to my right uh, behind you and stop by our Connect counter because we got Chick-fil-A for you and a really cool coffee mug. You get to pick the color of the mug, too. And uh, if you don't want any of that, I'll be at the exit door. Just hit me up, and, and I'll, I'll take that off your hands, okay? Uh, but seriously, uh, we do want to meet you and, and uh, answer questions you might have about the church.